Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I have a real first. I not only have one, but I have two people to interview today, which I've never done before. So it's a bit scary. I feel outnumbered. Um, so I have two lovely ladies with me today, Mandy Garland and Sharon Hartman, who are both specialist nurses in the menopause. And I've met them a few times on various conferences, and I've always been struck by their happiness, their enthusiasm and determination to really make a difference in menopause care. So welcome both of you. Thank Hi. you. Nice to meet you. So it's the first time they've been to my clinic, so I'm always really excited when I show people around because obviously what we offer here is quite unusual in that we give really holistic care to women, which is really important. So tell me about your journey because you've not, both of you haven't always been specialist menopause nurses, have you? No, no. So for me, Sharon, I started when I decided to change from a very long-term job. I was working in young people's sexual health. Okay. And I'd done that for probably about 16 years through the journey of my own girls growing up. Mm. And I decided because I wanted to expand the specialism that I was doing within sexual health and I wanted to start doing coil fitting, I felt that I'd outgrown my job and um, wanted to change. And I just had a really great opportunity to start working at a GP practice as their lead nurse. But it was very clear from the onset that I would specialise in women's health. Mm. However, I'd had no experience in the older ladies' journey through contraception and sexual health, really. And so it was very quick for me to recognise that I needed to gain some more experience. But also I was in the age range myself. So there's a bit of hidden agenda going on. yeah. So, and what about you, Mandy? What did you do before? Well, I've been in primary care now for 20 years, Mm. working as a nurse, then moved on for chronic disease, prescribing, and then nurse practitioner. Mm. We joined the practice, this practice we're working at now, about three years ago, within about a few weeks of each other. So we decided that we do this journey together to mm, support each great. other. Yes. And it's been a godsend. Because mm. I think doing this on your own is oh, very challenging. Yeah. And the lack of trainers as well was yes. an issue. Yeah. There weren't many. It is a big problem. And for some of you that are listening, menopause education for, especially in primary care, is mm. really difficult. Yeah. And the menopause isn't a disease we know it's not a disease but if it's not managed properly it increases risk of so many diseases such as heart disease diabetes dementia osteoporosis osteoarthritis and mental health depression as well so it is important to get right isn't it and I had hardly any training nothing really formalized as an undergraduate or a postgraduate or as a GP training either and it's the same for nurses isn't it It did you have any when you were None whatsoever. No, they they focused on contraception and family planning, but nothing at all past that stage. Which is quite amazing, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I I mean, I've been pregnant three times and I had fantastic care by midwives and really quite intense care. And then when I had my baby up until the age of five, you get a lot of visits, don't you? Yeah. And then suddenly you're on your own. And actually most of us, hopefully, will be menopausal for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Yet a lot of women don't get any contact, do they? No No. education, no help, nothing. 
nothing. Well, they might get a prescription through the GP, but it wouldn't necessarily be alongside a holistic no. um, approach to looking at their well-being. Yeah, um, and I think that's so important. We did a survey of about 3,000 women recently and found that only 24% had been asked any information about their lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were joking before we started how good nurses are at sort of filling out forms and going through lists. And But actually, it takes a minute to ask someone, do they drink alcohol? Do they yeah. exercise? Do they smoke? Got a good diet. What's your diet like? Yeah, and I find when I ask people, it often opens up then another conversation or some women then come back to the clinic and say, oh, I felt so guilty. When you asked me about exercise and I hadn't done any, I thought I can't come back to the clinic and have not done any yeah. and so it's amazing the power of just a simple question you yeah, have isn't okay. it yeah and it's also having the opportunity when you see the person in the room when they've got an appointment with you one what they've actually come in for yeah. they won't necessarily think that you're going to even ask them about questions like that I know for me when I'm working in the practice environment for all nurses we've got an ideal chance to speak to women about their holistic health yes. when they're coming for their smears absolutely and that's a an area that Within our team, we've spoken to the nurses a lot about that. This is a great time to talk to them about their yes. one, their contraception, how they're managing on it. And then also, I think nearly every woman that comes in to see me at 40, at least and above, what's vaginal your vaginal health, health like? Yeah. Well, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. And I mm. speak to so many women who have stopped having smears because mm. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Painful. And they say to me, my last smear was so painful. Yeah. And I said, well, did you get any help or advice? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. the nurse said it would be over quickly. Yeah. Whereas we know that certainly vaginal dryness affects, some studies say 70% yeah. of women, yeah. so the majority of women. And it's very easy to treat, yeah. isn't it? It's very it quick and easy. Yeah. And they find it, well, they don't want to come off of it. Yeah. And they don't have to. Absolutely. So they can yeah. stay on for the rest of their life. Yeah. And, and so they, often we're yeah. talking about local vaginal yeah. estrogen, which is different yeah. to HRT, yeah. isn't it? It is. So it's very and I think safe. also if a woman comes in and you ask them, well, what was their last smear like? Mm. Or what their vaginal health is like? And if they are really struggling in that area, or they've said they've stopped having sex or struggling with sex, then actually you can delay giving them their smear yes. and get them on their topical treatment and then yes. invite them back yeah. with the instructions on how to come back, being off it just for a short period and then get the procedure done. And that can make all the difference because yes. they still do have to come Absolutely. potentially every five years. Yeah. And if they're going to dread it, that's no, horrendous. No. no. Absolutely. No. And I think it's also, even though the smears stop, don't they, at 60, 60 or 64, 65, yes, yeah. yeah. And depending worldwide, what there's different yeah. ages, yeah. but usually in the 60s. But actually, women in their 70s might still have some problems yeah. with their gynae reproductive organs. Yeah. So if they have bleeding, then they will need to be examined. Yes. And so it's really important. Yeah. But yeah. as we know, vaginal dryness isn't just about having an unpainful <laughs> smear it's a lot of women I see and speak to can't sit down they can't wear underclothes yes. so a lot of even healthcare professionals think well vaginal dryness only matters if you're having sex and it's not is no it? it's no I see a lot on my day-to-day being the nurse practitioner side mm. of it with the recurrent urinary infections yes and a lot are missed yes when you don't ask them about their vaginal health and whether they've got any issues. And we do start an awful lot on treatment following recurrent infections. Which is brilliant because we know, certainly with recurrent UTIs, urinary tract infections, 
giving antibiotics is not the no. first line treatment and no. we know that giving localized vaginal estrogen reduces the incidence yeah. of urinary tract infections and and women love it don't they because yeah. they don't have the cystitis or even incontinence that they and have and it's usually responds to treatment very quickly as well it does. Yeah. and it stops them having to go to secondary care for mm. quite invasive investigations yes. when they're not actually needed yeah which and is i really think good. also for the women as well sometimes they actually have a barrier about starting it if yes. they think this is more well, it doesn't really affect me because i'm not sexually active yeah. with my husband because of certain things that their relationship is mm. that's what they've chosen yeah i'm gonna say well actually what we're looking at as well is the ability to function well in your daily life and the fact that to reduce any risks as you're ageing for things like the urinary tract infections. And and actually it's a change in thought for them as well. Absolutely. Um, And that's so important. A lot of women I see who live alone, who have been elderly, tell me that they have had a lot of itching and discomfort mm. during the night time. Yeah. And so inadvertently, it's keeping them awake. Yeah. Yeah. And so once they have treatment, they say, gosh, I sleep so much better. Yeah. And then my mood's better, my energy's better. And, you know, yeah. it's yeah. one of those... I think people expect to have some symptoms when they're older, yeah. but they shouldn't. No. no. And I think what's been interesting for me more recently in the GP practice that we both work in is that some of the GPs are, are actually referring the patients to Just, us yes. and to do a review because they know actually that we've got a little bit more time so to spend how many are appointments? They're very flexible. We've got a system of appointment booking that we are responsible for on the whole. We, so we, we can book, book our own patients. Yeah. must be such a luxury. Yeah. yeah. And, well, we have a certain amount per week that we need to do, yeah. but both Mandy and I have discussed it with our GP partners and also the practice manager. Mm. And at the moment, we tend to see an initial patient if we're seeing them for HRT for between about 30 minutes and 40 minutes. Wow. And then for a repeat, we tend to put aside 20 minutes. You know, it's so important because if you get menopause care right, it's a really good investment because we've done some work looking at the number of investigations, the number of appointments women often have just to get the diagnosis of the menopause or perimenopause Mm. made. And as you both know, it's not a biochemical diagnosis for most women. You don't need a blood test. Just about symptoms. So we can make the diagnosis actually quite quickly. You know, have your periods changed or stopped? Have you got symptoms? Or if you've had a hysterectomy or marina coil, just symptoms. So the diagnosis bit is the easy bit. Yet women, I saw someone in my clinic last week who said the last six months she's been going three times a week to her GP because she's had joint pain, she's had muscle pain, she's had urine infections, she's had migraines, anxiety. No one's put it together, but she knew something wasn't right. Which is Um, why when obviously we're looking downstairs in your waiting room that you've got your symptom checker yes. that they fill out. We do exactly the same one yeah, which that they fill out so before they revealing, come to isn't us. It? Yeah. So, and a lot of my sort of ideas with some of the work I'm doing is to try and empower women so they can direct the consultation. Yes. Because if, as women, we're educated, we know what's happening to our bodies, we understand the perimenopause yeah. and menopause, it makes the consultation so much easier, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? So if a woman comes with a completed questionnaire, which can be downloaded from my website, yeah. and says to the nurse or the doctor, I've had these symptoms, these are all linked, can we talk about the next stage of treatment? Yeah. The first 10 minutes of your consultation yes. has been sorted, yes, sorted, really, hasn't it? To be fair, we try and do a lot of our pre-appointments by email. So we have a system oh, that we can email okay. out our yeah. patients. 
send them links to our website so our gp practice have got information on the menopause on there we've got the menopause questionnaire on there and then when we send a first contact so when we're planning to book the appointment in with them we send them a a list of things that we're going to talk to them about in the consultation we send them the links to your website website. and also to the women's health concerns yeah so that we try and prime them and enable them to start thinking about it and thinking about it. What they want out yeah. of their consultation. Yeah. And they like range. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. We've had a, a recent sort of website change, which has made it a little bit more clunky to get the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. But we can still send it as an attachment, and so then they can have a look at it and yes. set it out. And I find that for even for me with time pressure, yes, so yes. much easier yeah, when absolutely. I know that I've given. And also because the time is so precious mm. that we want to also allow the women to take responsibility for what yeah. they want to come yes. to speak to us about. And also open their mind up to think, oh my gosh, I didn't actually even realise that was to do with the menopause. Yes. I've been really suffering for that. Yeah. Probably much longer than maybe the reason that they've actually decided to yeah. come. I think so. And I think even just filling out the questionnaire, a lot of women say... Gosh, I had no idea muscle joint pains yeah. were a symptom. I didn't know my headaches, my migraines were related. Yeah. So it's that light bulb moment, yeah. isn't it, where they sit yeah. and I think it's so important. But it's quite unusual because you're both working for the NHS, yes. which is fantastic. But as you both know, it's really difficult to find good NHS menopause care. Yeah, it is. Um, as you know, I can't get a job as a menopause specialist in my area because there's no funding. No. So which... When it happens to all women, it's really inexcusable, isn't it? And I'm hoping things will change. But I have been doing some work behind the scenes with some nurses because when I educate nurses, it's lovely. They're a great audience, but a lot of them, like you say, are menopausal age, so they have a lot of interest themselves. They've got so many questions, but what really saddens me is so many of them are leaving the job lots of nurses now are leaving practice nursing they're leaving secondary care nursing but when you look at the demographics a lot of these women are in their 50s mm. and they feel burnt out struggling mm. to cope and with struggling to cope yeah. but they don't often realize how many of their symptoms are related to the menopause, menopause yeah. my husband is a urologist and he said to me the day before yesterday he had about six nurses in his room they all came in because they knew he was married to me yeah. and they were asking all about the medical <laughs> one of them was had a fan the other one was saying how much she'd put on weight and become more tired and he was just saying well you, you just need HRT and it wasn't even in their radar no. and it's only because they're trying to find information mm. out themselves but so many nurses are leaving the NHS the NHS is really struggling we know and I'm sure you would agree that you think gosh if a lot of the nurses had treatment themselves and if a lot of nurses Mm. had the education that you both have in the menopause you could help so many more women so it's something we'd like to do is to get out there and yeah. um, go into the big organisations like yourself with yes. the police force to get in there and just talk to them, to yes. HR, in just an hour yeah. in their lunchtime yeah. and just explain what we do and yeah. how we can help. Yeah, And it's really important, and certainly we have a nurse practitioner working here who prescribes. And, you know, I think nurses, no disrespect to doctors, but I can be rude because I am one, we often go off on a tangent, whereas nurses, they're just better at working through a set protocol You're very yeah. structured you are yeah. more structured yeah. absolutely yeah. and I think actually for primary care nurses who are used to doing the smears doing pill checks for contraception it's the next yeah. progressive thing isn't mm, it like yeah. you say as as we get older we tend to mm. attract people who are more our age sometimes and you know you've got this big void in nursing because people aren't getting educated yeah. they mm. can't 
direct the conversation yeah. or the treatment in I the think, right way. Um, for me, because I'd already, when I was working in the GP practice, I was doing the faculty training for contraception and sexual health. Right, yes. I just saw it as a natural link mm. that why wouldn't I do the faculty training for menopause and I must admit the thing that I was shocked about when I went on the two-day training was how vastly under-skilled a lot of people were in this area and with the enormous population yeah their needs aren't getting met and I think that's why we were so in such a fortunate position because I would say that within our practice either they were completely ignorant of what they were stepping into with us (laughs) or we were just really fortunate to find that we could have the support from our GP practice and our partner at that time to go off and do the training Mm. and it was really a journey of the unknown for all of us included but actually I would hope that we'd be really good role models for other nurses I hope so and the fact that we are able to talk to the nurses in our local area yeah offer training and and events that we Which is really important. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know, we've written a menopause education program aimed for primary care, so mainly for GPs, nurses, pharmacists, and it's going to, we're partnering with 14fish.com, and we'd make it more online so that it's very easy, and we videoed some actresses actually so pretending to be patients and we have one of our nurses involved in the videos as well so we want to show people how easy even in 10 minutes you can make a big difference if you have this targeted Mm. consultation with the right information and we're doing questions before and after so people can assess their knowledge and people will be able to do a certain number of hours every year to prove that they keep up to date because that's very important and the current training at the moment is good but it takes a long time yeah well it's taken us two years two years and it shouldn't take that long really and part of it is the way it's structured and we need trainers and there aren't enough trainers but it's very much, when I talk to the British Menopause Society, they say it's more really for gynaecologists. Yes. Yeah. But actually for primary care, we don't need that no. sort of structure at all. So hopefully this will help because it's not difficult when you think about the menopause, but it is if you don't know anything about yeah. it. So it's oh, trying yeah. to demystify yeah, it, yes. isn't it? And it's a massive learning curve we've been yeah. on over yeah. this last... But there's a lot of misunderstanding as yeah, well, yeah. isn't there? And I think certainly a lot of... Work I do is to try and make it really easy yes. and accessible because that's important, isn't I it? I think, though, for me, because I was in such a very specific area of nursing, the training that I've received or that we have mm. actually mm. created for ourselves yes. as well, yes. based on the sort of targets that we've had to meet through the faculty training, it has helped me by having to go out and meet different specialisms. Yes. So those yeah. sort of targeted sort of appointments with sort of the bone um, health yes. team when Genetics. we went to the genetics department that was really really helpful because actually for one it enables you to understand what they're doing Mm. when a woman goes to that department Mm, and also sort of creates the The link yeah for communication yeah so absolutely and it is really important and certainly when I talk to other people and educationalists about the menopause it's not a women's health problem it's not a gynecology problem because rheumatologists need to know about it cardiologists need to know about it because of palpitations neurologists need to know because of the headaches urologists because of the bladder problems so gynecologists gynecologists also don't know an awful lot about HRT absolutely yes Um, and and as you know we've got a DEXA scanner here so anyone osteoporosis is really important Mm. so it is trying to 
look at all this and I suppose I'm more unusual in that I did a lot of hospital medicine and went into general practice so yeah. I'm not a gynaecologist I yeah. don't pretend to be but you don't need to be for no. a menopause specialist in no. that way gynaecologists are brilliant in their field but predominantly they're surgeons whereas yeah. I think in primary care nursing there's so much you can do Mm. where they don't need to go into hospital, yeah. which I think is really important as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think the aftercare, once you've been to secondary care and then just left. Yes. And then we're left then to pick up the menopause yeah. symptoms that yeah. then follow on, which yeah. well, we find really satisfying. And you can both prescribe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's yeah. been fantastic. And I've noticed the difference in my prescribing journey with the menopause yes. because um, when we first started... There was so much to learn and I felt like I was a complete novice again with prescribing. I was really comfortable with prescribing with contraception and sexual health. And then suddenly I thought I felt really nervous and tentative. But we were yeah, but then it all changed again with the shorter dish. So that's that's that put us all as like, Oh, where do we go with all this now? But but it's all very much formally led. Yeah. And oral medication. Well, we don't tend to go down that route. We tend Good. to go down the transdermal Perfect. route. Yeah. And the natural progesterone as well. Yeah. So yes. we don't Which is always, something that you yeah. actually talked to us about yes. when we first met you. About, <laughs> yeah. And you sent me all the pathways um, for eutogestin. And that was really, really helpful because we were involved in our local area of creating the pathway yeah, for right. yeah. um, Bristol and area. But I think... What I recognise is when I'm talking to my nurse colleagues who are starting on the journey of learning about menopause, that my knowledge is so vast to where I started from. So I also feel comfortable when I'm talking to women about talking to them sometimes when it's off licence to what the formula is. But I can also back it up with evidence-based practice. Which is really important. And certainly all the work that we do here in the clinic is evidence-based, yeah. non-biased, because it's so important. Yeah. Um, and like you say, the whole licensing thing, there's a lot of drugs that are licensed, but they're licensed for certain indications. Yes. Yeah. So for example, HRT is only licensed for menopausal symptoms, yes. whereas we have loads of evidence that the earlier women start it, the better. So we often do start it, don't we, in perimenopausal yes. women. Yeah. But that is off-license. Yeah. yeah. But actually it's fine because we know it's safe. And it's really important that women know that because also with HRT, there's a lot of warnings in the packet inserts. And so I'm sure you're the same. It's a lot of time saying actually this is inaccurate information. And even the vaginal estrogen will talk about risk of clot and heart attack. Well, that's such a low, low dose. And we have had challenges with that over the few years that we've been prescribing. Why are we prescribing vaginal Mm. and HRT and that was from GPs yes we get it a lot because around a fifth of women who have HRT still need to have some vaginal localised oestrogen and it's really important that women like you said earlier continue in the long term with vaginal oestrogen and it's fine because the dose is so small small. we've had discussions with women and also pharmacists community pharmacists about i had it particularly with someone who'd had a history of deep vein thrombosis and i'd given her transdermal approach to her hrt and that was then challenged but also migraine with aura and understanding how to manage that and there was a lot of misunderstanding Mm. even from other medical 
Um, well, there is, and I, it's because it all boils down to education yeah. and training. And for those of you who are listening, when we talk about transdermal, we mean estrogen through the skin as a patch or gel. When it goes through the skin, it goes directly into the bloodstream, so it bypasses the liver, which produces our clotting factors. So it means women who have had a clot, like you say, women who have migraines, especially migraines with aura, can still safely have estrogen through the skin. Yeah. It's very different to... Mm tablet estrogen and there's lots of advantages of having it through the skin because it doesn't have to be metabolized and digested it doesn't interfere with other medication in the same way so we tend to prescribe estrogen through the skin first line and then for women who have still got their womb then we often use the natural progesterone like you say the micronized progesterone progesterone, because there's less side effects there's less risk of breast cancer it's just a safer preparation to use and it can help you sleep Yes, (laughs) so lots of people take it at night time. It's recommended to take it on an empty stomach at night time, and it has this mild sedative effect. And sleep is such a problem, isn't it? Yeah, perimenopause and menopause. So it can be good as well for a lot of people. So it's getting the messages out there is really important, isn't it? But like we were saying at the start, it's not just about HRT. There's no point having HRT and smoking twenty a day and going to McDonald's. And you need to. You need lifestyle needs to be yes involved. Um, But I'm sure. You agree, certainly a lot of women we see, once they're on HRT, it allows them because they feel better to... They're much more open then. I think sometimes when we have patients in or women in for their first appointment, it's actually quite overwhelming the amount of information we're discussing with them and the information we want to give. And what we Mm. look at is, okay, so we're going to follow up in 12 weeks. This is the perfect time then to really explore the areas of lifestyle and more depth and use that time because sometimes when they are feeling really rubbish, they just don't take it all in no, at all. And, no. it, and I think it's really hard. A lot of women who are menopausal and perimenopausal, they feel like failures. Yeah. Yeah. They feel very vulnerable. They yeah. feel very neglected, yeah. very isolated, and also very scared. You know, a lot of people we mm. see worry they've got brain tumour because of yeah. headaches or dementia. Yeah. Um, and then if they have someone saying, you should exercise, you mm. should increase the amount of fibre that you eat or whatever, and a lot of people mm. comfort eat because they feel yeah. so awful. So I think as doctors and nurses or any healthcare professionals, we need to give trust to our patients, yeah. but we also want them to feel good about themselves, mm. don't we? And so it's like you say, when your brain isn't working properly because you mm. haven't got the hormones, then to be bombarded with information yeah. and feel even worse because you're not yeah. having this perfect, healthy lifestyle yeah. can make them feel even worse, can't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think if we're doing it as a follow-up as well mm. and then exploring what they feel that they could make changes yes. with, I think that's really positive to Absolutely. do it so that it's almost it is driven by them as well yes. and then supported about what steps they can take to make small changes yes. because then they'll be more likely to be successful yes. and then maintain longevity. them as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really important because it's so easy now with Instagram and everything else to think that everyone has a perfect life, yes. perfect diet, everyone's filming their food yeah. and their, you know. And actually, you will then feel more of a failure yeah. and it is oh. making the right choices for yeah. you as well. I'm quite extreme with my diet in that I don't have caffeine, I don't eat processed foods, I don't eat much sugar, but I don't, wouldn't expect everyone to be like that. I don't drink yeah. alcohol. I mean, you know, We're all individuals. So, absolutely. Yeah. And so, but it's, it's working out. I think the beauty of... Your job and my job in the way our clinics are set up is that we can see and follow up those women. Mm -hmm. And certainly in secondary care, by that I mean hospital care, 
often people see one doctor one time and then they'll see a different doctor or nurse and yeah. you no don't get that continuity yeah. and so to pick up the pieces and carry on from where you left off can be really Difficult. rewarding for the well, patients yes, yes. and also for us as it's, well. It is very it. rewarding because you see them come back in the 12 weeks. The last week I had the husband came along Great. with his yeah. wife. He literally popped in, shook my hand and said, mm. thank you for giving my wife back. Yeah. And then he went off to work. It's lovely. And that it? was really touching. Yeah. yeah. It's quite something, isn't it? I think there's no other area of medicine that I feel so rewarded. You sort of know that you can make people even not fully better as mm. always, but you can you know they're going Start to improve. Really yeah. better. It's very powerful. Mm. Um, like I say, my husband's a surgeon, and I've always mm. been a bit jealous of his amazing ability to transform someone yeah. um, because of how he can correct their problem. And in medicine, it's not quite so easy, is it? Because no. there's so many other factors. But with the menopause, it is all about missing hormones. Mm. So if we can replace those hormones and educate, mm. yeah. that can make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I think also is one of the things that struck me, I think, from something I've read or listened to on a podcast, is about people, if they have iron deficiency, mm. they will replenish that. Absolutely. If they have vitamin B12 deficiency, yes. they'll replenish But for estrogen deficiency, yes. they, need estrogen. they think, but they also will think they shouldn't have it. Yes, I know. I struggle with that sometimes. Well, I, think- I totally agree. And I spoke to someone the other day. It was a friend of my mother's daughter who was struggling. So she just, do you mind speaking to this complete stranger? <laughs> it's not mother, anything. To <laughs> this lady who's mid-40s and saying, I've been told I'm very unusual because I'm going through the perimenopause. I said, well, that's yeah. average age, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, and I don't want any of those drugs. I want to do it naturally. So I said, well, the most natural way is replacing the hormones with yeah. body identical HRT. She said, well, that's a drug. I said, well, it's not, actually. It's you what you have an underactive thyroid gland you replace. Yes. And, yeah. and so it's trying to shift the menopause to something that causes symptoms in women yes. to something that is a low hormone deficiency that lasts until we yeah. die yeah you know and symptoms change so it's not just about improving symptoms it's about replacing those hormones which it's quite hard sometimes mm. to conceptualize yeah. isn't yes. it yes I think we've been really lucky um, where we are that we do have continuity with our patients and that we can also do a lot of the sorting to make sure that we have that continuity at the point of booking an appointment. But we've also, I mean, I've been out to do some talks with the Women's Institute Mm. around cervical smears and we can see that we can do that with the menopause and HRT and we're invited before Christmas to do a talk with women at the local leisure leisure centre. Great. And although the turnout then was small, thank goodness in a way, because those women had so many questions that they wanted. It's quite something. I mean, I find whenever I give talks to women, however small or big, there's so many questions. And there's usually two, three, four, depending on the size of the audience, who burst into tears because they said, gosh, this is me, I had no idea. And it's good, but it's sad. My work is incredibly rewarding, but incredibly mm. frustrating because for every one woman that I yeah. see you see there's millions out there yeah, that can't get the help, can't get help. Yeah. so for any of you that are listening and aren't getting the right help then make sure that you see another doctor or another nurse or see if you can find a doctor who specializes in the menopause but it's really important not to give up on your first consultation Absolutely. if you don't get the right help yeah Totally, I think. But it can be really hard for people to feel that the information that the healthcare professional that they've seen isn't adequate for them. And I think that 
it's okay, I know that for me, I could challenge that and I feel confident enough to be able to do it. Hard. But my but friends who have experienced yeah. it, they really struggle or they go and they've explained, we have a lot of people that come to us to prime before they go to their yeah. healthcare professional. But I think it's really good and certainly a lot of the downloadable booklets and fact sheets that yeah. I have on the website are exactly that to try and give yeah. people the confidence mm. yeah. because... It's quite scary when you see a doctor yeah. and you think that everything they say is right. Yeah. correct and, and I'll take And the doctors yeah. often do think they're right because they haven't had enough training. Yeah. So it's quite difficult yeah. for them. So I'm conscious that we've reached the end of our time, really, and I could talk to you both all day. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I might get you back to talk more about how you're doing more education because yeah. I think this is so key. Yeah. But before we finish, and in your nursing style, you have made notes for your <laughs> give your or read your take-home tips so for me when we were looking at this and discussing it in the car up was we um thought well we actually recognize that this is a really in-depth subject which actually needs to be seen as a holistic medicine and that was really my first thing that i thought about and then for our education, Mandy and I discussed it and said, actually, you need a like-minded nurse or professional that you can work together with. Because, Bounce off ideas again yeah, and yes. talk through. Yeah, and learn we thought together. that actually doing the British Medical Society two-day training mm. is really beneficial. Yeah, It's packed full of information. Even if you don't go on to do the accredited training at yeah, the end of it, absolutely. you've it's still really got that foundation yeah. to go by. But you also need to be able to, when you are in that education um, setting be able to have honest discussions and reflect yeah. on your practice what's worked well what hasn't worked well yeah. but you also do need to have someone that you can talk to at a higher level than yourself yeah. because we are trained at a certain level yeah. and we're not completely autonomous yeah and then we said attend as many clinics within the local area that you can mm-hmm. that's, that's outside of your field yeah. of specialism and work with the local pharmacy yes. that you're working at and also um, with your local pharmaceutical reps because yes. they're hugely helpful for resources that you yes. can yes. give to the women. Yeah. And then it is, for us, been beneficial to work as a nurse prescriber mm. and then do as much reading around the area as you can. Mm, yes. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant tips. I think it's really important and there's always things to learn. You know, I learn so oh, much changes. from my patients all the time and yeah. there's always new evidence so it's really important to keep up to date and... We've actually run a Confidence in the Menopause course, which is just a one day. We've got another one coming up and we run them every six months. So these are open for healthcare professionals to come and really have some basic knowledge and understanding supported by the evidence. So thank you both, lovely ladies, for coming to my clinic and recording this podcast. I'm Thanks, sure Louise. Have lots of people. And happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.